I like that you listen to Sandstorm. That's very funny. <laughs> well, we put on the June score and then we were like, oh man, it kind of does sound a bit like Dicka Dicka Dundon could start at any point. And then I, no, put, man. Just, I queued up Darude and then I was like, oh man, you really hear it on this one, don't you? <laughs> oh my real God. Little, real <laughs> stinker move. <laughs> it was. You went full <laughs> Dennis the Menace. Denis yeah. the Menace. Ah. Oh. Den- Denny the Mini. <laughs> The Dunatics are on the sand. Welcome mm. to Sink Floyd, the podcast where we watch every movie ever made to see if it syncs up with Pink Floyd's 1973 magnum opus, The Dark Side of the Moon. My name, I will be known by many names, but I am Gareth Blackler, and the Benny Gesserit Des- must have already been here because you've already know. It's James Barron. Hello, James. Happy Hello. New Year representative of the Bene Gesserit it's me James it's kind of weird that I'm a guy does that make me the messiah you don't want to feed into that god complex Gareth I've already got an ego that is bigger than the planet Arrakis how is how are you it's a new year it's January it's January yeah 2020 June yeah that's not as good but I love it yeah yeah, I'm good. Um, you know, living my life. I'm a hundred pages into the novel Dune. Whoa. <laughs> um, cracking away slowly. Yeah. We'll get there. Um, very, yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm very excited to talk about this movie for probably a record amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? I'm, I'm doing great as well. I'm, I'm chilling here. I'm sipping the spice melange and I'm, I'm ready to talk about Dune 2021. Uh, mm. last year's June, that old hat. La- yeah. <laughs> Get that out of here. Um, no, uh, last year's June, the, the, the latest from <laughs> from Frank Herbert. <laughs> you yeah. heard of it? <laughs> I've heard of it. It does feel like we're in the summer of June. Like, oh, no. Spider-Man tried to take it. Like, I feel like a lot of the talk was about Spider-Man, but it's all yeah. immediately died down and everyone's back to talking about June. Yeah, man. After I saw June, I could not escape going to a party and 20 minutes of solid June talk. Oh, yeah. And, ah, oh, That happened yeah. to me on New Year's Eve. Shout outs if you're Ooh. listening person to it that I talked to for a good <laughs> hour about June. Um, so, yeah, I, I did mention that I do a podcast. So, if you're listening, hey. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, uh... It, yeah, we. Uh, you can't not. There's just so much going on in this damn movie. And it's mm. also like, I would say it's fairly polarizing. I've met the haters out there for Dune. Um, they exist. Some people do not like this movie. And I feel like their concerns are fairly valid, a lot of them. Mm. Um, it's not your typical uh, summer blockbuster, I would say. No way. And like, well, compared to like, as you say, Spider-Man, it's night and day. They're totally mm. different in terms of tone. And I think that's exactly what was required. You know, mm. like it's, it would be bad if it were full of action in the same kind of way as a Marvel movie. If it was, it, it needs to be this like slow building think piece, you know? And yes. I feel like the movie really pulls that off. Um, just as a general spoiler free review fucking mm. love dune <laughs> <laughs> yeah same like i would say the first time i saw it i saw it pretty much after um lockdown restrictions were lifted in auckland mm-hmm. and we pretty much hired the whole theater for Whoa. like maybe 10 maybe more i think it was like 14 of us 
in this Damn. tiny little theater. We had it all except for two strangers. <laughs> and we were like, please don't be sick. Yeah. Um, and like, we walked out, we all loved it. People I didn't think would love it, loved it. But I did feel like a little confused. I wasn't quite sure how I felt about it. And then mm. I went and rewatched it at, at the cinema again and completely, it just hit me right that time. I completely got what was going on, what was happening. I noticed things. And yeah, I just, it feels like it will, like, it all depends on how the second chapter of Dune goes, on yes. how people will judge it, but it feels like it will stick with you longer than, like, a Marvel movie. Like, I find most Marvel movies, you find them annoying after a while. Like, mm-hmm. no shade to Marvel movies, which I love. But, like, you're like, after a while, you're like, oh, man, do they have to do the wisecrack there? Do they have to kind of, like... yeah feed your nostalgia that way whereas this feels a little more timeless in a way that i really appreciate yeah they've definitely gone for the epic rather than like mm. poking fun at, like there are zero jokes in dune yeah. <laughs> uh, so you don't go for a laugh um no there's zero characters you'd want to hang out with to be honest uh, i feel like i could oh, no? i could hang out with gurney for a bit i reckon oh <laughs> uh, we're gonna discuss gurney because Oh my gosh. He was the character I distinctly was like, I would not hang out with. And oh, now that I wow. know what he's like in the book, I'm like even more confused. <laughs> oh yeah. He's pretty different. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. we're, we're going to be covering off obviously um, uh, the, the, the set dressing of Dune um, at the mm. top of this show. And then we're probably going to get about like halfway through <laughs> the movie <laughs> and then uh, have a second part for you next week, a two parter, of a two-parter yeah. movie um yeah so just the heads up at the top of the show not covering all of dune this episode there will be more to come uh but i thought i'd get that warning out there for the listeners that's good that's good for me as well because we discussed that we were going to take a break part way but we didn't discuss if we were going to cut the episodes in half so i'm happy we've figured that out we have to now <laughs> yeah force it's only fair force the hand yeah I'm playing mm. my power move here i'm staging a coup on the podcast <laughs> baron oh, harkonnen james baron harkonnen it's me um <laughs> oh where was that in the intro i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> no I, I prefer not to be compared to him honestly uh yeah oh we'll get into him as well yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. uh so okay. yeah um you said you had some dune and pink floyd crossover um to talk I about certainly do okay, okay. Okay, so the year is somewhere in the 1970s. Um, acclaimed director Alejandro Hodorowski has just made The Holy Mountain and El Topo. He's riding high. He's like art cinemas. films, by the way. So bonkers. I believe, did we watch El Topo together and I think then didn't so. speak after we watched it? Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah, it was, that movie's a lot. In fact, both of them are a lot. Uh, yeah. Pretty hard watches. It, it like, yeah. it's, it feels like exploitative when you're watching mm. it in a really strange way. But uh, yeah, those, those movies uh, set this guy up that, that they were filmed like, uh, like very close together and then mm. he like rose to critical acclaim, right? And then was offered Dune. Um, they said he could make anything he wanted. Damn. And he pulled Dune immediately. He was like, I want to make Dune. Despite the fact he had not read Dune at that point God and knew damn. nothing about it. Classic. He just knew like it would be great. And yeah, he set out, he assembled this like amazing team of people. Um, 
He had like oh, Mobius yeah. and HR Giga designing things for him. Mm-hmm. Um, the cast. So he, the first thing he did, he cast his own son as Paul. Yeah. And Power set move. his son off on two years of intense training for this role before like <laughs> anything else was approved. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, there's a documentary called um, Horowski's June, which is a bunch of interviews about this. Yeah. It's a little like, it feels a little bit like it's just kind of um, polishing this guy's shoes quite a lot. Like, mm. it's very up him, which he's got a, you know, he's a genius, but he's got a huge ego. Oh. He's also, by a lot of accounts, a bad dude. I think he's um, exceptionally problematic as a, as yes. a director. I'm going to lay that pretty bare here, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Um uh, he also was going to cast Salvador Dali as the Emperor, who Pretty great. Um, us 2021 fans have not met yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dali needed $100,000 an hour. He wanted to be, as a gag, the most <laughs> highest paid director, I mean, actor of all time. Fair. So the way they were going to get around this was they were only going to shoot Dali for one hour. They were just going to get all his shots in and anything else they were just going to use a robot. The robo Dali. Yeah, exactly. Which was, would have just been cheaper. Yeah. The irony of like Dune not not having any technology or robots, and then then building a robot <laughs> Salvador Dali for an actor, like yeah, man, pretty great. Yeah, it was going to be Orson Welles as the Emperor. It was going to be what? I guess mean, um, the Baron. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. 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 That would yeah. <laughs> he would have been great. Holy shit. Yeah, uh, Mick Jagger was going to be in it, like, all this stuff. There was, I've just found out there was going to be a scene featuring, like, 2,000 extras just shitting themselves. Oh. Which, now you're like, oh, yeah, that's an Alejandro Hodorowsky. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, there that's we go. his speed. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what he wanted to make, not yep. the June, what June wanted. Um, but the thing that is all most important to us, it's the reason, you know, mm-hmm. it's the desert power we're trying to claim from this anecdote <laughs> is <laughs> fresh off the success of Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. Pink Floyd were approached to do the music for this movie, this probably 10 hour movie. Yeah. Um, they were going to be the theme music for the House of Trades, And oh. he flew over to meet them in England and they almost lost the gig because they were eating burgers and he thought that was rude. <laughs> what? <laughs> right? That's that's great. Oh, my God. I love the idea of Pink Floyd all eating, like, hamburgers together. Yeah, that's that re- seems so out of character for them. Eh? That's re- I mean, they're just, like, all English dudes, but I, I love yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Lads. Yeah, the lads. Yeah. So, they were- it's interesting that they were only going to do the music for one- set of characters one house yeah. and then there was going to be like a german doom rock band doing the baron's music and cool. there's probably other dreams but it all of course fell through because no one wanted i think it cost them two million dollars just to get to this point in pre-production and like, yeah yeah planning the film and no one wanted to take that risk and it all just fell apart and yeah dune sat for a handful of years um a friend of our friend of the show picked it up for a bit, yeah. um, but we'll learn more about him in a few weeks. We will cover off this adaptation, uh, yeah, notably as well. If you oh. if you if you don't like Dune, get out of here. You're in trouble, <laughs> I'm afraid, because this podcast yeah. is all Dune now. <laughs> <laughs> if you're like, oh, January will only be for January, then uh, bad news. <laughs> it's, January flows by its own time. Yeah, it's a it's a full calendar month. It's just that it's starting <laughs> yeah. like probably like the fifteenth or something. I don't know. Oh, way later. Yeah. Oh god. Okay. Um, anyway, 
Uh, yeah, this is a confusing time year already. I think we ended the last week's episode by wishing people a Merry Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy January. January. Yeah. We're already in it. Uh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it lay dormant for ages and then this new adaptation emerged. The cast got stacked and stacked and stacked. Mm. More stacked than Batista himself. Yeah. Um, and the first trailer drops, we've talked about it already on mic, but it features Eclipse by Pink Floyd. Oh, people, yeah. Two people go nuts for it. That's us. <laughs> um, other people, I read some stuff like from the time, they were so worried. They were like, no, he's not making actual June. He's going to try to make Hodowoski's June. He's mm. going to like make this weird thing where an art, a legendary, prob- quite problematic artist gets paid too much and there's a robot involved he's not actually going to make the dune that we want yeah and those people were wrong yeah (laughs) super wrong yeah but you know put a pink floyd song in your trailer you'll pique our interest especially if it's from the only album we want to talk about yeah and yeah you do that and you'll get a month of this podcast talking about you that's how you do it it's uh yeah it's a pretty sweet cover as well han zimmer Mm. did it um yeah and yeah it's just got the vibe down pat for the like for the trope that is the, the the cover of a like seventies rock song, uh, randomly thrown into the trailer to build hype, like it's it has the it has the legs, it has the history, yeah. and it 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 serves it it fits perfectly. I can't think of a better match um, for Dune as a concept than Eclipse. I think that's like no way. I said yeah. it at the time when I was talking about the trailer, but yeah, it's it was fantastic as a choice. Um, yeah, it doesn't feature in the actual soundtrack to the movie, but, mm. which I think is good as well, because that would have been a little bit weird. It could have played over That's the credits. That's point, yeah. That would have yeah. been fine, but I don't think it does. Um, no, I was thinking it might be subtly weaved through, but I couldn't pick it out no. at any point. No, it's just um, all- Except I could pick it out pretty well when I listened to it on mute with Dark Side of the Moon playing. <laughs> yeah, it was coming <laughs> loud Suddenly. and clear. <laughs> Yeah, oh. we we should we should we do it? Should we dive into this monstrosity? And yeah, let's t- get as granular as the sand itself. Oh my god, so many! It's stuck in my craw. Get ready. <laughs> uh, yes, oh. let's do it. Um, we launch into speak to me, Gareth, and the movie mm. starts with a small sentence before even the studio logos appear on screen. Wild, There's right? Like that a terrifying. This sentence that just says dreams are messages from the deep and over this in in the cinema it scared everyone around me because <laughs> yeah. there's like a really loud sound that's just like I don't know wah, 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 over it and it's like oh man whoa <laughs> freak my dad yeah out. Um, oh no <laughs> yeah i saw that i i watched this movie in cinema with i didn't mention this earlier i went with my family uh my dad's a massive fan of dune and i had yeah. to i had to go with him uh he he really liked it he said it was a really good adaptation um but he found it too loud <laughs> that was his oh. main complaint and i thought i think that's fair enough <laughs> honestly yeah, heck yeah hans zimmer soundtrack you're gonna get that too loud feel <laughs> you <Yeah>. know <laughs> that's a guarantee yeah. um, um so was june around for you growing up was it like a big oh yeah, deal? yeah yeah um, like yeah. I absorbed the story mostly through osmosis from my dad, like Ooh, talking, yeah, uh, talking to me about it on like car trips and stuff. It's he's like <laughs> a massive fan of it, so That's and has awesome. all the books. I have his copy 
sitting next to me and it's like exceptionally well leafed the oh um, hilariously it says soon to be a major film <laughs> printed <laughs> on the cover which is just so accurate um yeah this yeah. film is major give it that yeah definitely i'm trying yeah. to find when it was printed it doesn't say oh it doesn't say um but yeah it's a really old one it was printed in new zealand so like, oh, cool. I wouldn't say it's like the original printing, but it's, yeah, it's yeah. basically destroyed <laughs> as a book. <laughs> so that gives you an oh, idea. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, uh, we go into studio logos, all that speak to me, you know how it goes. Um, mm. There are a couple of opening titles um, here as well, and they appear for exactly four heartbeats a piece in speak to me, like perfectly cool. lined up, which I'm very happy yeah. with. <laughs> Heck yeah. That's really lovely. Um and yeah, we get into like a very quick kind of intro piece, um, giving you a little bit of background. See the sandy dunes of the planet Arrakis. Um, and then, yeah, we go into breathe and we see these like big harvesting spice machine things and uh, the Fremen assaulting these or like a, a sort of attack on this harvesting operation. Uh, hmm. and yeah we get we're getting some narration uh by shani um who is a fremen girl zendaya plays her yeah um who's pretty great honestly I, we don't really get her for this part of the movie she's just sort of the the part that we're discussing um but yeah she's just sort of appearing in dream sequences for most of this <laughs> bit but i i enjoyed her performance um yeah I, heck yeah i know it was a big deal a lot of people because people love zendaya as they should she's like honestly one of the most magnetic and like exciting actors working today she especially for someone who only goes by one name and like yeah. was a disney channel star <laughs> like yeah it's so cool it's pretty impressive i like that she's magnetic and would you say that she's more magnetic than the robot salvador dali oh um yes because i believe stainless steel isn't magnetic as they taught us in primary okay. school but then wow. my stainless steel fridge took my magnet when i got home so i was <laughs> it I took it belief. Yeah. It thieved it. it still oh, has no. it. Oh god damn it! You're too weak. But yeah, to it was it. A... <laughs> oh, my little child arms. The steel oh. itself is stainless. <laughs> uh, um, people were disappointed that Zendaya is not a huge part of this film. Yeah. I think she'll have more. The Zendaya Hive came out, and yeah, we're mainly looking at sand, so that was a shame for them. But that's fair. Yeah. That Next. In 2023, we're going to get what we need. We're going to get all the Zendaya. Yeah, it'll be yeah. it'll be the full spectrum because the, she plays a much bigger role in the like latter half of the book. <laughs> so yeah, you know. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, we get into like she's just giving us a bit of information about how Arrakis is currently occupied by the Harkonnens, who are the baddies, main baddies, um, ruling it as like a fief and harvesting all the spice and less like they've been there long like for her entire life and mm. just bad but then all of a sudden um they uh leave they up and leave they're ordered to abandon the planet by decree of the grand space emperor um and yeah we see them like marching into their transport ships and she's like but who will come to replace them and that's where our story begins yeah, yeah, who will be our next oppressor, which yeah. is such a, like... Mm. Yeah, from, I mean, I'm, like I said, not very far into the book, 
at this recording, but like the it's such so cool to start it from her perspective yeah. and kind of because Dune does kind of create the kind of avatar problem of like someone comes to this planet and is oh, the yeah. one to save it. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, so the, it's a good move to twist that immediately. Definitely, the 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 book of Dune is like commonly criticized as being a white savior story. Um, mm. and this movie, I, I've read a thing about, um, that Denise said where he like was the same criticism was levied at him, um, when making this. And he said that this is like, he's leveling it as a criticism against that exact thing. Like the Ooh. idea that of a white savior, like all these people are trying to make this white savior narrative happen, but like proving that that is a bad idea <laughs> like yeah that's kind of what his version of dune is about and i think that's really cool um and i, yeah. I imagine we'll see again that more of that playing out as things progress in the story because yeah we're just sort of setting up that there is a white savory guy um and mm. then we get to see things go bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is like it is sort of to the like like we said a lot of this movie will ride on how they handle the second half. Absolutely. And, like, at the moment, yeah, five out of five, ten stars. But mm. it could be, if they somehow mess up part two, it could be, like, you look back on part one, like, oh, hold like on. Like, no. Yeah. Could yeah. be. We'll, we'll see. But I love, I love hearing that. That's really reassuring to know that, like, that's kind of how he's approaching it. Oh, yeah. He's fully aware of that, like, when making these films. He, he was, like, he would be stupid to just forge ahead with the exact vision of the book because, like, yeah. it is uh, a little bit iffy. It was, a, it was a book, like, made in the, it's like, 60s, 70s, even before that, right? Like 63, right? Yeah, 60, 10 years before our beautiful illustrious album the magnum opus <laughs> would be released onto the world um but yeah so he yeah he was fully aware of it so yeah we start cool. the movie here we get the title card which is mm. beautifully designed as i've covered off in the past great yeah. typeface love it so smart um yeah and yeah uh we start this film proper with paul um young paul timothy Chalamet playing him waking up on um dreaming of shani um on on arrakis um yeah he's waking up in in caladan uh his home planet mm. on, and it's the year we get a year card which is always great um <laughs> saying uh 10 so how would you even say that like ten thousand one nine one. um yeah it's a complicated year to, to even articulate <laughs> um but yeah it's bloody eight thousand years from now <laughs> gareth um so get hyped um yeah <laughs> something to look forward to yeah uh yeah he's on In our old age he's on um beautiful uh caladan uh yeah. which is like mountainous and rains all the fucking time it's like if scotland <laughs> was a planet um mm. is how i would describe it <laughs> hundred percent yeah like lush and and stunning but very cold and very wet um mm. yeah um and then yeah we go uh, from here he's hanging out with his mum <laughs> there's a lot of paul hanging out with his mum in this movie yes. by the way uh <laughs> and that's a mama's recovered mubbins boy i'm like yep i get it <laughs> fully tracked <laughs> The other kids are scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. Um, especially when you're heir to the fiefdom. 
<laughs> yeah. As you were as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, his mum, uh, Lady Jessica, and they're having breakfast together. I'm going to cover more of them, um, more of the these characters a little bit later because we see them all in a big group and I'm going to cover them off then. Um, okay. But yeah, they're, pre- good. they're preparing for like a big ceremony that's going to be happening on later that day uh just having some breakfast together and we go into on the run as she uses the voice uh or it tells him to use the voice uh to like as practice which is uh there's so much there's so much going on uh uh yeah so there's this is like a a sort of special power um that the benegesserit have who are a faction mm. and which i will cover off more soon but it's sort of like a hypnotism half hypnotism half like power control thing where you say you speak in a certain dialect and with a certain force behind your words and it controls mm. the person um or like yeah it's how to describe it it's um more so it's mind control a little bit pretty much right temporary mind we see control it in action. yeah yeah um but yeah just more like like suggesting things it's like hmm. I, yeah it's like if you've ever played D I'd be prepare for by the way prepare for me to be very nerdy on this podcast if you've ever played D, oh, it's gosh. like yeah. the um suggestion spell is how i would describe <laughs> it you know you say something and the person's like yeah that's a really good idea i'm gonna do that like Mm. that's how it feels to me anyway um yeah on a different layer of nerdiness it's probably like the you don't want to sell me death sticks kind of thing yeah very much so it's like almost jedi mind trick yeah i would say Mm. but like a little bit more coercive (laughs) um yeah in a scary way so cool though the way it's treated like i'm i'm not sure if that's 100 percent how it is in the book but it's like the idea that you have to get the pitch exactly right Mm -hmm. and the way like when you're not hearing pink floyd play over it the sound mix is so cool especially when he doesn't quite do it right and it just kind of rumbles the entire cinema like your dad must have hated it but (laughs) it's so so dope a very loud bit for him but yeah it it is handled well sound wise i think he was more annoyed by the ships and stuff taking off (laughs) that's fair but anyway there's a lot of that in this film there is yeah uh yeah yeah so he tries to get her to um pass the water over and she only like half does it and um yeah so she's like okay a little bit more practice required Mm. doesn't quite have it yet um and she asks him about his dreams that he's been having and we get a very quick cut away to what we saw before um where he's dreaming of arrakis and uh yeah he sort of hides this from his mum in this instance but i think she knows like they've talked about it before that he has Mm. these dreams um anyway um we see uh him doing a bit of research on arrakis we get a like law dump through documentary (laughs) Um, yeah uh these cute little holograms i really like this um Mm. in the book there's like uh like little encyclopedia tome things which is like heavily layered inside the sides of this like tiny usb stick sized thing um but i i like holograms are so much cleaner (laughs) you know yeah it it is this cool like artifice thing in the book but anyway um yeah I, i found this enjoyable um and yeah we get like a little bit of info about arrakis and it's like ecology with it's got these crazy sandstorms that can like kill a man in seconds flat um <laughs> and then yeah a little bit about the freeman 
and um, he's looking at like uh, diagrams of the still suits that they wear. The Fremen are the native people of Arrakis, um, and we get some info on them. Uh, we get it's, it's this like colossal lore dump of all kinds of stuff. Oh, that you yeah. need to know. And the like the it's first maybe a little too much to take in on your first viewing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because we get like yeah, we get we get the first of all we get Arrakis. There's sandworms, sandstorms, the Fremen, mm. there's uh they wear these still suits to keep them safe. They have eyes of a bad, which is um oh, yeah. the, the glowing blue eyes, um caused by the spice melange. Um and they, yeah, in the in the book, it's your entire eye that is blue, um, mm. which is more than a little unsettling. <laughs> um, but I, so I appreciate the change to just the iris being made to glow blue. I think that's a little bit cleaner. Um, yeah, the whites of your eye are a shade of blue, like a lighter shade. But yeah, if they were just yeah. like full on Cyclops from X-Mening us with the blue, it would be, that it'd be harder to kind of like connect yeah that's how it's described though it's in the book it's yeah. like pretty intense uh, so uh, fair enough it's like yeah going to show how intense the the spice is but yeah i think it, it mm. looks it's a little bit nicer so that they look more human um because a yeah. lot of the main characters are also going to end up with this kind of effect on them so <laughs> yeah would have been a bit weird looking at a bunch of like blue-eyed friends <laughs> you know mm. <laughs> very alien um but yeah so their blue eyes are caused by uh, exposure to the spice, which is uh, in the air and the sand of this planet. And it's the only place in the known galaxy that has this spice. And it's, um, first of all, it's described what it is to the Fremen. Um, and it's this substance that's this like sacred hallucinogenic stuff that uh, preserves their life and brings them health benefits and is like this great thing it makes them strong warriors etc um but mm. its other purpose is that it's um used by the spacing guild um who are in control of faster than light travel and it's the thing that makes that possible it's the thing that mm. makes the whole galaxy work it's effectively how i would describe spice is that it's a combination of oil like crude oil for for cars and stuff and crack cocaine <laughs> Garrett. <laughs> yeah that is uh the the earth equivalent and with the value of both at the same time <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know <laughs> perfect that's really good yeah yeah so it's, what is luckily not mentioned is the fact in the book and i think it will be in the sequel the fact that to travel through space with the spice you fold time and space in on itself and you yeah. don't move the universe moves yeah love if that. we had to deal with that as well as all of this stuff in this info book the hologram scene i think we would have like there would have needed to be a pause timothy chalamet would have had to look at you in the audience and be like <laughs> do you get it yeah please talk amongst yourselves until you get it <laughs> I have a diagram if you need it. He comes, yeah. walks down out of the screen on his holographic stairs and just waits for everyone <laughs> at the front. Uh, yeah, checks in with everyone personally. Yeah. He's like, you got it? Okay, good. We're good. Um, <laughs> they do show a big old portal um, for this, uh, mm. which I don't know if that's true to the book. These big, like, portal things in space. There's a, 
it's on one of the covers of the books um this big tube thing that the ships fly through um so yeah. i guess it must be part of it I, I don't know how it works personally the the space i travel. read an interview with the director that like because you see one of these portals yeah. um in action during the invasion or mm-hmm. the betrayal um and he was like i've left it purposely um unclear if we're looking at like a stargate or we're looking at like a bunch of ships coming out of like a big ship whale thing it's like yeah we'll explain it later but like again he did not want to break your brain yeah probably a good idea like Mm. and also like the spacing guild in general i think uh left like very elusive they don't talk to fucking anyone in the story Mm. like they're, they're supposed to be this enigmatic group that try and stay out of politics as best they can but are making shitloads of money out of like <laughs> folding space and time <laughs> like it's your mate with the car that's that's who the space and guild are <laughs> when you're when you're like 16 and you need to get somewhere it's your yeah. friend that has a car <laughs> yeah you don't want to talk to him no. but you know the less you know the better party <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, you're like how did he get this car who's this uncle he keeps talking about i really I don't, don't want to know, know. Just take me to Kate's place, please. Yeah. <laughs> and then be here in two hours when I need to leave Kate's place. Yes. Please. I'll be loaded up on I the spice. I need to get to time out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> time oh. out is not a good reference because it's a concept of, like, punishment as well as a, <laughs> like, early 2000s New Zealand video game it's arcade. True. That's the most arcane thing we've said so far on the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, Dungeons and Dragons reference. No, there was well. an arcade brand in New Zealand. <laughs> hey, man, D and D's universal. Um, they yeah, played it on Arrakis. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, we get this big transport ship landing on Caladan, and uh, the hangar door hits the ground in line with the crash sound of "On the Run." Hey, we're still doing nice. that. Um, it's not really a huge crash so it's not that great of a sync but at least something <laughs> happened um yeah uh and then yeah we've got like a retinue of um representatives of the emperor and the spacing guild that we we're talking about earlier um who have come to transfer control of this planet arrakis to house atreides who are uh main um protagonists effectively they're who mm. we're they're who we're following for the story anyway um and yeah uh, and basically, they have to abandon their home world of Caladan and move to Arrakis is, like, the yeah. deal. Because we're in a space fiefdom. Um, <laughs> you get your own one fief, you get another fief. It's their fief life. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah. Gosh, fief is such a tough word when you're stuck with my, like, Fs and THs issue <laughs> that I've had since a kid. Like, oh, I'm glad you're confidently using it. And Mate, I'm just like nodding along. I got you. Um, Thank you. Uh, yeah, we've got uh, among them also is the um, Reverend Mother of. Oh, actually, is she here for this? Uh, she, there's a representative of the Bene Gesserit anyway. Mm. Who, yeah. Who are these like shady, like religious women? <laughs> <laughs> the Benages yeah. are super complicated and I'm going to cover them a bit more when we get to the river and mother scene. Um, okay. But yeah. That's when I'll save the perfect Benny Gesserit joke that my friend Aiden came up with. Oh, shout out okay. to you, Aiden. I'm hyped. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Oh. Um, but yeah, basically a whole bunch of pol- political bigwigs have come. And there's a, mm. uh, a line of the Atreides royal family here who are to accept this deal. Um, center stage, we have Duke Leto um, as played by Oscar Isaac, heartthrob, main draw for many <laughs> of uh people i know <laughs> like yeah, same. like they were like i'm just going to see oscar isaac do his thing and it's like okay <laughs> i can't fault that i guess yeah um how could you not as well like it's him and timothy are like kind of perfect like meta casting yeah and this is for timothy i can explain it more succinctly but this oscar isaac ride i'm taking you on as i think of it in real time but like you know he's been around you've watched him grow you've watched him you know everyone wants him to succeed Mm. sometimes he's given things where you're like oh no like i think his actual duke leto moment was when they cast him as apocalypse in the x-men movies oh my god a role he was dedicated to fail did you see age of apocalypse 2016 no i did not oh god okay. that sounds so like you a know, devastating role though <laughs> yeah it's a lot like it they sent him to the desert and <laughs> set him up to fail because <laughs> oh, no. like oscar isaac amazing a uh, personally more magnetic than my stainless steel fridge wow like he's got it he's funny he's great at acting Mm. and he's also yeah incredibly incredibly good looking yeah what they do for x-men age of apocalypse is they cover him in blue paint oh they put him in a big old like buff boy suit (laughs) and they give him zero lines his main line is he gets to say learning really slowly (laughs) It's such a waste. Oh, that and like, sucks. Yeah. And you couple that with then... Oh, he was still very good in The Rise of Skywalker, but that was also kind of like... Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other kettle of fish. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You've, now we get to see him play this character who the world is setting up to fail, but yeah, despite it all, you want him to succeed. Hell yeah. And yeah. he's great And obviously, he's, oh, he's amazing in this film. Like, yeah. The reason people are excited to see him and talk about their crushes on him is, like, solidified by this. 100%. Yeah. And obviously, Timothy playing the chosen one, like, again, everyone wants this boy to succeed. Ever since, like, Call Me By Your Name and Ladybird, the perfect mm. one-two punch, he <laughs> has felt like the chosen one. Like, everyone knows him. Everyone, like, you'd see him in a lineup and you'd be like, that's the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. He's he's great for it in a lot of ways as well because he's got this like dark brooding kind of energy mm. to him as well, which I think is required for Paul. Um, oh yeah, you know, like oh, it's so funny that the Messiah's name is Paul. I just still <laughs> yeah. can't get over it. It's like the funniest thing about Dune. You're never gonna get over it. Um, yeah, especially when you've got characters like yeah, Shani and Glossu Raban. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will also say, and we're going to get to it, Duncan Idaho as a character oh. name, I will never understand. <laughs> my boy. Um, oh yeah. God. Yeah, we'll get to him. Oh. He's not here right mm. now. He's off no. um, doing stuff. Um, but but we do have, <laughs> um, he's flanked, uh, Oscar Isaac is flanked by his uh, advisors in um, Gurney, yes. who is played by Josh Brolin um, and is the uh, house war master, effectively. He's like a, a mm. hero of legend. In the book, super different to how he's portrayed in this movie um, as well. Uh, again, I could not believe that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, reading the book, 
Gurney shows up for his training scene, yeah. which we'll get to. It's a little earlier in the book. And immediately picks up, like, his space guitar and sings a little song. <laughs> yeah. Well, they mention, like, they, like, uh, Paul requests a song from him mm. when they do the training. And he's like, fuck off, I'm Josh Brolin. <laughs> like, exactly. absolutely not. So, I think that's kind of a weird cast. Because, yeah, in the book, yeah. he's sort of like a warrior bard type. Like, I think of him as, like, this, like, huge, ugly Scotsman who has a delicate, like, romantic side to him yeah you know that's how i pictured him from the book but like and i guess josh brolin could pull that off it's just that he super doesn't like he's just like no i am like terrifying war man and nothing else (laughs) but i do like you know who could do this is um bruce willis because bruce willis famously has an album called like the return of bruno that would have been pretty good i would have yeah low-key would have thought uh dave batista could have done it um yes i reckon if we swapped him over and we had brolin as um oh god what's great you said it earlier thank you (laughs) um yeah just swap them out that would have been that would have been pretty good but uh yeah they're both like brutey types but i I don't know he has the more of a romantic side to him i think batista Mm. weirdly um (laughs) yeah uh but anyway uh, he, he's good and also we have um, Thufir Hawat um, yes. who is played by Stephen McKinley Henderson and he is the Mentat um, for House Atreides and uh, a Mentat is a person who is effectively a human computer um, or someone mm. has who has trained to um, train their mind and like their, their body to uh, perform calculations similar to a computer um the thing about dune is that there are no computers there is a there was a big um anti-ai movement when the ai tried to take over many many oh. many years in the past and uh like there was like a robot op- uprising kind of thing and they were like fuck that never again no computers ever only and so they've developed all kinds of ways to get around that in dune and it's really interesting. It's also why um, there's like no like targeted weapon stuff kind of things like yeah. like that as well because there's no computers to do it. So um, yeah, it does it does a lot of cool uh, things with technology, Dune, and we'll get more into it, especially in the training section. Um, You've blown my mind. I think I actually need to go see Dune again just to watch it from the like it's the future but no computers angle. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, it's very uh, good. Um, yeah, the Mintats are, are fascinating as a um, as an idea. We even see him do yeah. like a, a calculation where his eyes sort of roll back into his head and he just um, figures out a huge amount of money <laughs> that they spent to get <laughs> here just by using his computer power. So that's cool. Um, yeah, this is like... Oh, it was so funny. After watching this, a um, friend of the show, Maddie Smith on the drive home, asked me... Um, who was my favorite character mm. and i thought that was such a funny question for such a serious film with everyone very like you know morally all over the place and even the idea of the hero being in question mm-hmm. but like the idea of, like who's your fave who are you who are you gonna play mm. and when we play june and by far this is my favorite character and it's entirely due to stephen mckinley henderson um if you've been following the show my <laughs> small obsession with him is growing oh wow um 
it was so funny re-watching this twice and then we rewatched Ladybird like mm. to end off 2021 nice. as one of the, like the last movies of the year and just seeing him again playing the like drama teacher mm. and doing the like who's gonna cry first competition and all this stuff and then being like you're also the mentat this is amazing <laughs> the mentat oh yeah. Look out, look out. He can do calculations real quick and be a drama yeah. teacher. <laughs> yeah. He's the double, he's the oh. triple threat. Um, anyway. Yeah, this guy, this guy's my favorite character. Wow. I love his little umbrella. I love the fact that oh, he his, just dresses like a normal guy. His umbrella um, is fantastic, I will admit. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Man. I think Lady, but, um, I think the next person I'm going to describe, Lady Jessica, is my favorite character. Um, I was just going to say that. So actually, like, in terms of, like, if we were going to, if you and I were going to hit the playground tomorrow, James, and we were going to play June, mm. I'll play Tertha Hawat. I'll pretend to be him. Yep. And you can be any other character. I'll be we'll Lady Jessica. <laughs> yeah. If it's a but weird yeah, pairing, of- but I love it. Um- <laughs> yeah, what are they doing? <laughs> um, yeah, in terms of, like, the performance, what she's doing with the role, yeah. how she's written and how she's, like, fleshed out compared to oh, the-, uh, the 80s movie and the book. Yeah. Like, everything Rebecca Ferguson is doing to play Lady Jessica is so amazing. I hate that I'm saying magnetic so much this week, but, like, you can't not look at her on screen. She's doing, like, she's doing this great kind of fidget. She oh, seems yeah. so sure of herself and unsure of herself. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're like, Why is she your favourite? The facades that she pretend, like, she puts up for all the different people in her life is so yes. fascinating. Um, and yeah, she's like behind clothes when she's alone, she's like mm. often like breaking down and, but she just puts on this brave face for like so much of this movie. And it's just fucking awesome. She's like, you can just read it into her face. There's so many, so much going on. And yeah, she's, yeah. she's a fascinating character um, as well. Cause she is the, the concubine of Duke Alito. They aren't married, um, mm. for political, um, reasons effectively. Uh, it makes sense in the book as to why, but, uh, anyway, it's such a big deal on the book. It I did is. not expect that. It's huge. Um, but anyway, yeah. um, but yeah, he, uh, she is Paul's mother and, um, also a member of the Bene Gesserit who again, I will get into later. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, of course, Paul is there as well, who we described mm. as well. So these are the, the crew here. Yeah. Also, we are still in On the Run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. Of the first playthrough. Uh, so, there you mm. go. Uh, we go into time now, though, as uh, the clocks go off and we get more of this ceremony playing out. Um, the Atreides effectively sign on the bottom line. They don't have much of a choice, really, because this is being ordered by the Emperor. Um, mm. But even so... Um, uh, the Duke gives like an impassioned speech about like the Emperor calls and the and the Atreides will answer. This is like how they are as a people, you know, they're honourable mm. folk. Um, and yeah, uh, and he stamps his little seal ring into the contract, into like the, the wax seal. It's, uh, yeah, it's nice. It's, I like that as yeah. a recurring um, thing as well. Symbol for House Atreides also is a, a eagle. Uh, usually oh, yeah, yeah. in red as well. So um, I don't think they use the sigil for uh, the Harkonnens. I don't think you ever see it, but um, it's a blue griffin in case you're wondering. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, it's um, Ravenclaw and Gryffindor swapped. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just yeah. none of the personality sides. Yeah. 
<laughs> Hopefully not. Um, yeah. We go into uh, Times Vocal now and we meet Duncan Idaho. Um, yes. Who wasn't present at this fuddy-duddy uh, signing <laughs> ceremony because he was out in his cool ship just zooming around. <laughs> Uh, having a good time. He's played by Jason Momoa, who I think does a great job as well. Um, oh, yeah. As this, like, similar kind of vibe to Gurney, but not with the, the sternness. He's like the fun uncle that you have. <laughs> yeah. Who, He's the uncle by blood, and Gurney is the uncle by marriage. Yeah. Like, one's just chaos. The other's like, I've got to be good to this child. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've got to, like, <laughs> teach him the right way. And the other one's like, hey, man, you want a beer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um borrow my car <laughs> oh no <laughs> he's not that uncle um <laughs> no <laughs> but yeah uh so yeah he's like giving some encouragement to paul who wants to go like he'd, he's going to arrakis tomorrow as like a advanced party for the colonization um with a secret mission um and also mm. um yeah paul's like a, a big fan of this guy and confides in him about the dreams that he's been having um, and says that he saw Duncan among them, among the Fremen, like hanging out with them. And, but he also saw Duncan's death in battle and he's like worried about it. And Duncan's like, ah, oh, it's okay. Dreams are dreams. Everything that happened, all the good things happen while you're awake <laughs> or something to that effect. Um, and yeah, uh, it, it's just a good little, little vibe there. Yeah. It's like, he does have the closest thing this film has to a joke when he like oh yeah kind of razzes paul for if he's gained muscle or not yes which, um got a huge laugh in the cinema so yeah, i mean fair it's the closest it felt like to like a marvel-y kind of joke Just, which again nothing wrong with those but it yeah not the kind of film for them really imagine if if timothy chalamet was just ripped as hell though like oh, yeah that would be terrifying <laughs> yeah it'd be unstoppable it would be He'd just be in every single movie. I think so. <laughs> he would take over everything. That's a true messiah move. <laughs> uh, that's how um, the 70s Alejandro Hodowski film was going to end, was everyone was going to become Paul, and then the planet was going to become Paul, and then fly around turning <laughs> other planets into Paul. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah oh my god like, oh, so you know that's what's going to happen if we lend timothy chalamet uh gym memberships so if please we, don't uh, don't do that that's not my no. new year's resolution <laughs> yeah. that's why you can't give up on the gym you've just gotta you've gotta let it go otherwise tim's gonna mm. pick up the space at the gym and just get ripped exactly yeah and the then we're social distancing be. at the gym you can't have that many people in there especially if one's tim <laughs> tim Oh. Tim Plainpole. That's going to happen. He'll get buff and he'll be called Tim Chalamet. And no. We just can't have that. Oh, we can't have that. We can't be having that. Yeah. Um, yeah. We go uh, and Paul goes to meet with his father among the like historical crypts of his family out on the like yeah. mountainside. They have like a, a nice moment together um, where they're talking about sort of talking about legacy. He tries to convince his dad to let him go to the advance party again and his dad's like nope uh, <laughs> you are the heir to my house absolutely not um and yeah they talk about how uh there'll be serious danger when they get there because the harken harkonnens are um the historical enemies of the house atreides um there's a long-standing feud 
between the houses that is not gotten into in the movie just as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, they, they feel like they're being walking into a trap, basically. Um, mm. But the first step to not setting off a trap is to know that it's there, um, you know, and then you can work around yeah. it. Um, and yeah, so- uh, the Duke has talks about uh, desert power here. He's trying to say that there's a hidden strength on Arrakis that the Harkonnens uh, overlooked, and it's the Fremen people. He wants to invest mm. in as much as he wants to invest in the spice, he wants to invest in the people of the planet as well because they were largely um, oppressed and and shunned by the Harkonnens who just like treated them as like a nuisance when they were... Um, basically harvesting their planet dry you know yeah um anyway uh we go into uh great gig and then there's a bit more discussion where paul's talking about how he doesn't feel that he's ready to become like to fill the duke's shoes should something happen to him and the duke's like yeah dude same i didn't feel that way (laughs) like when my dad passed I, i didn't want that responsibility um but Uh, He has a good quote. He says, um, a great man doesn't seek to lead. He is called to it and he answers, which is Mm. a good classic leadership quote. There's a lot of like good poetry and and maxims in Dune. Um, Yeah. The book especially, like even more so. It's like layered with this kind of stuff. So, yeah. Um, Mm. You could make like a Dune corporate calendar that's just full of the fun, like the good maxims in Dune. And yeah. (laughs) It's November. Fear is the mind killer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a good post-Halloween message. Yeah, (laughs) I like that. Um, You're not allowed to be scared anymore. It's the mind killer. No more fear. No fear. (laughs) It's just no fear. That's all it is. Um, Anyway. Yeah. No fear of Ember. No fear of Ember. Um, uh, Yeah. Did we get the training sequence with Gurney, um, who comes in and does a bit of... uh, like final training with Paul um, here, who's like doing a bit of sparring. They've got swords and daggers and stuff um, mm. and a shield generator, a personal shield generator, which is like a interesting tech that they have um, covers the whole body and is represented in the movie by this like glowing blue light that when pierced like glows red. So it can only hold off so much Um but, like, it's enough to deflect, like, blades and things like that, other than, like, when yeah. they're pierced into you. Um, yeah, anything fast it deflects, but then if something goes through slowly, it yeah. turns red and, yeah, let's throw. Oh, yeah. Notably in the books, this is why nobody uses guns, um, because they have these shields Aye. and they interact badly, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> like, they can cause a serious explosions if you were using, like, a LAS gun or whatever they describe it as. Like, because they're made of similar stuff they interact mm. and cause an explosion, <laughs> which is not good. So like you can yeah. damage your own troops if you were using the same, uh, these two together. So that's why everybody's using swords and shields and stuff. It's a, like, it's that's very awesome. much like a hand wavy thing, but it, it makes for a really nice feeling sci-fi when you don't have everyone just going pew, 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 all the time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like that's a really great point of difference in Dune. And I think it makes for mm. more interesting uh action sequences so i'm thankful for it 
Yeah. Speaking of the action sequences, how do you like these shields? The <laughs> fact, like, if someone gets hit, you see blue light on them. Yeah. If someone's in danger, that it goes red. Um, do you, how do you, yeah, do you, some people called it like two rock'em sock'em robots. Um, people That's like fair. me thought it was a good way to keep track of what's going on. Yeah, I think it's very helpful visually um, because mm. without it, I think it would be a little bit uh, hard to follow a lot of the action sequences, especially especially the uh, raid on the um, Arakeen because oh, yeah. it, it, that's all at night in very dark <laughs> corridors. Um, like without the shields, I feel like you wouldn't really be able to tell much of what was going on at all. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think they're great from a like filmmaking standpoint, visual standpoint. Um, yeah. In general, I think they're probably a bad idea, <laughs> like <laughs> uh, probably better just to use guns. But anyway, <laughs> but, you know, it makes for cool cinema and a cooler story. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I'm for it overall. Um, I absolutely can't wait until you see the David Lynch version of these shields, by the way. I'm, I'm hyped. I need a live react, if anything. Okay. It's, yeah, it's going to be good. Sure. I'll do it. I'll set it up. Um, anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so they have like a um, a bit of a sparring match where they're talking with each other. Again, this is where we have in the story, in the, in the book, this is where Gurney sings his wee song. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, we don't have that here. Um and Gurney is like desperately trying to prepare Paul last minute. He feels like that as a family, they're walking into a trap because he knows he's like terrified of the Harkonnens because mm. he's interacted with them before. Um, like he was part of this old feud, I think, uh, or at least like knows the lasting effects of it and has warred with the Harkonnens before. And that they gave him the scar on his face um, in the story uh yeah and yeah so he's like fucking terrified of them and like desperately wants everyone to be prepared for what they're walking into um he's yeah he is certain that the, there's going to be traps all over um arrakis and they're they're not going to just leave them with zero resistance that's not how it works um and yeah uh He's got. They have to dive in head first because that's the only way, effectively. And so he's really worried and is doing his best. Um, yeah. Speaking of the Harkonnens, we cut to them now on Gady Prime, their home world, yeah. um, which looks like a fucking brutalist nightmare realm of darkness. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, oh, fuck this place. I don't want to live here. Um, <laughs> yeah. No wonder they're so angry. Yeah. Fucking. Hey, if you lived on this planet and you're like. Your dad's covered in oil. <laughs> like, yeah. You're going to turn out like Dave Bautista. That's just how it goes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we have him here. Glosser Raban, um, the mm. Baron's nephew, is played by Dave Bautista, who's been overseeing, like, Arrakis up until now. Um, and uh, Piter, who is the Mentat for um, the the Harkonnens. He's, like, the, the Thufur equivalent um, who's played by uh, David Desmoshane. How do you say this guy's name? He's great. That sounds right. He's a good yeah. character actor. Um, yeah, he's really having a moment. Like, he's popping up everywhere now. Yeah. I'm excited for him. Uh, yeah. yeah. And they're both, like, these... They're bald. They're painted white. Yeah, like hairless. They're, like... Um, yeah. Um, Glossy Raban kind of looks like if, a, if Gollum got buff. Like, yeah. If someone let Gollum into the gym and 
Yeah, like David Desmelshan's character looks like Pinhead from the Hellraiser films. If yep. he had to take but all his pins out bit. to go into the airport. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Going through the metal detector. He is not magnetic. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yes, we also have the Baron himself, Baron um, yes. Vladimir Harkonnen, um, as played by the incomparable Stellan Skarsgård, who fucking crushes it. Um I he know, is right? terrifying in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's wearing this like insane prosthetic body because mm. the Baron is this enormous, like corpulent person, um, just like a huge baby man um, who is like just so menacing and so scary. He's cu- he's got these um, in the in the story. I think that they're like covering most parts of his body, but he has these um, metal stabilizers that hold his mm. body together because he's so huge. Um, yeah, and you see them like across his spine, which like, yeah add an extra layer of terrifying <laughs> and yeah he's in this like sort of steam sauna realm for this yeah. introduction so just you just buck so- naked yeah. and scheming you just sort of see like the back of his head <laughs> for most mm. of this like plotting sort of zone but this is the introduction and they are sinister as hell um yeah 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 um, there's a real vibe with um uh, David Desmoshan's character in the book where oh, yeah. you kind of get the Baron's point of view and he's just like this fucking guy yeah. <laughs> like he sounds like he's <laughs> really like a little too much for the Baron yeah and this film kind of tones him back quite a lot he just kind of seems like a you know my liege kind of character yes and it's all to make the Baron like that much more otherworldly yeah. and that was menacing. a that was an on-purpose cho- uh, choice as well to make the Baron more of like a threatening antagonist for mm. for this because in the, in the um in the book he's much more like this is the plan and it's more of like a political thing that he's overseeing from the outside he's not this like looming threat like he is in the in the um movie very much so yeah um oh, cool yeah so yeah that was an important difference to make him more of like a not like a stereotypical villain but more more threatening no. as a presence and i think that was an important uh point of difference so yeah. Yeah. He makes me think a lot, like, let's say you saw The Godfather way too young and had <laughs> nightmares. This uh-huh. is how you get the Baron. Like, Absolutely. the Godfather himself. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah he speaks in this, like, very low, scary voice. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's great. Um, uh, yeah. Basically, Raban's really pissed off that the uh, that Arrakis has been given to the Trades. He sees it as, like, a betrayal by the Emperor and it's, like, fucking furious about it but he's like the other two are saying eh, hold your horses there there dave mm. um it's not <laughs> it's not as bad as you think when is a gift not a gift is when yeah. is what he says because um yeah effectively there's a grand scheme between the harkonnens and the emperor um who are trying to set them up uh for for a fall uh yeah yeah and speaking of a grand, um, as the Baron kind of turns to camera and says, when is a gift not a gift? We get the first cha-ching of money by Pink mm, Floyd. Big it's money nice. behind this. Yeah. <laughs> <Perhaps>. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's very funny that um, we get very little information here and we see that more of the story play out. There's more dramatic tension in this movie than in the mm. book because in the book, 
right on his introduction, we get the full scheme <laughs> laid out. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh yeah, this is going to happen and this is going to happen and then this is going to happen. And this is why <laughs> this is happening. And there you go. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> that was like the whole movie. <laughs> why, yeah. why are you telling me the full plan? It's like the villain gives you their like, and here's how I did it speech before any mm. of it happened. Like, it's really weird, but, um, yeah. And it's like the second scene in the whole book yeah. as well. So like, I don't know how I'd be handling Dune if I hadn't seen the movie first. Like, I don't know how I could have oh my God, dealt with yeah. the entire scheme of these worlds. I did not understand. Yeah. Being just laid out to me. The book itself is so dense. It like, mm. it has so many new ideas and words that it is throwing at you and you've got to catch up or you are missing the train like that is yeah. <laughs> that is how that goes it's like it is very strong world building and mm. everything has it feels like there's a real sense of place in the story and that's why dune is so successful um like it feels like a very lived in world but that but because of that there's so much like minutia and uh little pieces that you have to you have to catch um and in the beginning of the book it's hitting you with all of them and explaining none of them so yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's tough especially the mm. opening chapters um but anyway we get from here we go to another scary scene because <laughs> on caladan we've got um a group of the bene Gesserit are arriving on a ship um mm. making a special trip uh, specifically to administer a test to paul um his mum comes and wakes him up uh and like is clearly rattled <laughs> by their arrival yeah. um like freaking out and doing her best to like hold herself together um and uh yeah as she goes to take him like prepares him for this interaction and g gives him like a physical examination by uh dr ua who is a character who's yet to be introduced who um mm. is uh played by chang chen um and yeah he's like a um a like medical man affected like similar to a mentat except trained in medicine medicine mm. and um the human body and condition and um yeah they're their own thing in the book as well um where they have like defining features are they have a diamond tattooed on their forehead and their ha their hair is kept in a special ring um I can't remember mm. their name off the top of my head. These doctors, they have a special group name. So get at me, Dune nerds. <laughs> um, for That'd be such a weird, like, you've admitted you don't know it. Um, you've given us so much information. If people like are coming at you on Twitter now. Yeah, right. It's called this. Like, I mean, it's like, I could it's okay. have uh, You just didn't know. Yeah. I, I just think it's cool that they, they match these details in the movie as well. Like he has yeah. a diamond tattoo on his forehead and I'm like, nice, <laughs> very mm. good. Um, but yeah, UA is also like portrayed very well, I think, because uh, yeah. he's an extremely complicated character as we're going to find out. Um, but yeah, he gives um, Paul this like physical examination and gives him a little bit of a warning um, that the Bene Gesserit serve their own designs and he doesn't know what they want from him and to be careful basically um yeah uh and his mum speaks to him in a little sign language which is a new thing for this movie as well um like gives him a final warning at the door saying to like remember his training in the yeah. Bene Gesserit stuff um 
And yeah, that was another conscious choice by Denis to add this like secret language between um, Paul and Jessica that they have. Um, Yeah. yeah. It saves a lot because like the book gives you everyone's internal monologues. Yeah. And like that would be so confusing in a film. Oh my God. I mean, it's kind of, uh, at least you've got like, he thought, they thought, but like, you'd be like, who can read minds? Why can they read minds? Yeah. And just to be able to, sum it up simply with like secret languages is just much easier nice elegant and also speaks quite a lot to the mother-son relationship as well like yeah they definitely hang out they've learned a whole language betwixt each other yeah yeah that's good um and yeah he enters the lion's den here over the descending scale in the money solo to mm. add the drama and yeah goes to meet the reverend mother um uh helen moheim um <laughs> As played by uh, Charlotte Rampling, um, hmm. who I don't know much about, but is, no, is very scary in this movie. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I'll talk about the bit about the Bene Gesserit now, I guess, because mm. they're like the group behind this. Jessica's a member. Um, they are this like cabal of um, religious types that also influence the politics and pull the strings behind the scenes of the emperor and dealings between the houses and they have their own like plot and path for humanity that they are pushing. Yeah. Um, And yeah, they're sort of guiding everyone behind the scenes um, as these advisors and historians. um, And they like have, have a lot of knowledge about like the before times um in the story uh and yeah they uh they also have that power of the voice so they sort of can mind control people um yeah they're terrifying they're scary folks Mm. and they've got like huge influence over people as their weapon i would say yeah um yeah Yeah, it's interesting it's like everyone knows that they're influencing the world but then i think their abilities and knowledge they're just like well we'll let them do that yeah they're like too well protected and too like intertwined with everything that's happened. Like they're, yeah. they're hard to get at, I would say. Like it would be amazing to go to war against the Bene Gesserit because like they're so entwined with what this society is, you know, mm. and how it got here. Like they- had- Yeah, it'd be like going to war against money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Destroying capitalism is like similar kind <laughs> of ideal. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like- uh yeah they their plot going forward is they are basically (laughs) using eugenics weirdly to like (laughs) craft a messiah like craft this like crossbreed of all the houses and all the races to in like someone that has their powers to guide humanity to a better future is what they believe Mm. in doing and also like preparing the world for that eventuality is also part of it so they like weave their religion into different worlds all over and they have done so on arrakis specifically so um we'll see that um but yeah Yeah. pretty pretty interesting as a group um oh yeah it's a huge concept to have a film and book already filled with like the hugest concept oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> but yeah um i'm very nervous to repeat my friend aiden o'donnell's joke it is please um, i'm ready okay benny 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 jesseret <laughs> it's great oh yeah i love it 
I love it. He walked, we went, so I've just come back from camping. He walked past me on the campground singing that song. I lost it. <laughs> and yeah, he said he's been singing it ever since he saw the movie. And now he's read the whole book and he just sings it around the house and his whole flat sing it. And wow. in a way, he is the Benny Gesserit of yeah, the, that flat. Yeah, I think flat, so. Like, slowly influencing them. He's got that joke religion. God damn. Yeah. Impressive. <laughs> he's weaving. He's he's the puppet master of that flat, for sure. Um, yeah. I love that. Uh, the Benny Gesserit just needed to use more jokes to <laughs> have more control. Just a bit of levity, guys. Enough with yeah. the fucking wearing all black and arriving only in rain. <laughs> please um anyway um uh, lady jessica doing a tight five stand-up oh man <laughs> i love it uh and my son mr <laughs> 15 because it's always parent humor is always mr and then their age you know? <laughs> mr uh, 15 can't even pass a drink without getting the voice right oh, like, this is all workshopping <laughs> should <laughs> she, get it right she's working on it um yeah we've got so it's time for the test um mm. she like uses the voice on paul immediately like bringing him over making him kneel before her um and yeah but does this test for humanity effectively um is the the goal of this test um it's a bit more nuanced in the book than in the movie it's very hard to convey what is actually happening here yeah um because it seems like there's this like torturous thing happening um but this is it's very important as to what is going on um effectively paul has to put his hand inside this box um which he does so and as he does that um the reverend mother moves very quickly and holds a needle to his neck um the gom jabbar mm. uh, a a needle coated in a deadly poison and if he moves even an inch uh she will jam it into his neck and he'll die um so and he must all he has to do to pass the test is keep his hand in the box for an indeterminate amount of time <laughs> um mm. uh and yeah when your hand is in the box but the box uh you suffer incredible building pain um more and more layered pain upon you and uh yeah it she gives this like short speech about um humanity versus uh animals um where effectively an animal caught in a trap will uh try and uh bite its like it will gnaw its own arm off to free itself before like <laughs> before suffering the pain of the trap and bring itself a painful death whereas a human would stay in the trap and try and kill the hunter lie in wait and endure and try and uh, get one over on the person who has trapped you um, is the idea. Mm. Um, effectively, yeah. So humans versus animals is a very important thing to the Bene Gesserit. They see the general populace effectively as livestock um, where humans, true humans, are those who have the power to like choose and um, have and can endure a test similar to this they have the like they have the real stuff right um, yeah yeah uh and so yeah it's it's a very <laughs> it's a very dark sequence with with paul <laughs> enduring this this horrible test and jessica is outside like 
having a terrible time because she has mm. endured this test as well in the past. And um, yeah, she is just openly weeping. And she recites the quote from Dune, um, the, oh, yes. the litany against fear, which is a, um, a maxim of the Bene Gesserit um, and uh, like a story kind of thing. It's, it's a very good quote. And it's actually like really, really useful for calming one's nerves. <laughs> like mm. there are genuine like benefits to uh, this story <laughs> effectively. It's like weirdly positive um, is the outpouring from this quote, in my opinion, anyway. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. The Benny Gesserit benefit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like that. Um, I, yeah, yeah. I would love to get a like lovely throw pillow that says I must not fear fear is the mind killer. Yeah. Oh like, man. Just to yeah, calm me down. <laughs> Should I read the whole thing? I have it here. Yeah. Okay. So it's I, I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Which is, it's such a, like, it's a perfect little maxim for, like, mm. not letting fear control you and to, like, learn, fr- not only, like, um, accept that it is is happening, but also to, like, learn from it and to push past it. It's, it's so good. It's such a great mm. line. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah that second half especially is so useful yeah i will turn the inner eye to see its path yeah where the fear has gone there will be nothing oh it's so good Mm. um but yeah uh so paul yeah he endures this pain and like as this uh quote is like recited effectively this maxim um and he's like stares into the reverend mother's eyes and he is seeing like various visions of potential Mm. futures because he has these dreams and this is part of his powers. Um, and yeah, we see visions of fire and explosions and a scorched hand in the desert. Yeah. Which is terrifying. Um, and yeah, effectively he is, he passes the test and proved himself to be more human than bestial in nature. And there you go. And at, right on the queue here, we go into us and them. So, you know yeah <laughs> that's a that's a pretty clear dichotomy <laughs> between us and them you know um that's what the Bene Gesserit are all all about absolutely us and them has the most Bene Gesserit concept of like forward he cried and the front rank died mm-hmm. the general side and the maps and the line moved from side to side like that's what they're doing they're at the back they're yeah um you know just kind of guiding as like yeah you guys can die but their plans are me- measured in centuries exactly yeah yeah um yeah so they have a little bit of um talk about his dreams and then she heads off like she was really here yeah. just to like figure out who this person was um because they had um as she's leaving her and Jessica have a chat about um uh effectively she is scolding her for having Paul in the first place. The Benergies are at all mm. women and they, um, their planned Messiah that they intend to have is a male. Uh, and like effectively by having a male son, 
it's considered an act of arrogance in the mm. Bene Gesserit, but like you thought to make yourself the 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 Messiah, the what is it? Quizats Herdach Hedrach. So hard to say. Quizats yeah, Herdach. There's a lot of different names for the Messiah as well. I'm just gonna say Messiah just because it's easier. Um Yeah. But yeah, um yeah, so she like scolds her for that and yeah, it's it's pretty sad and like as she leaves um paul has like overheard this conversation what where do we go now god there's so much um <laughs> the they're ready to go that's what's happening next they're ready to leave um the ships emerging out of the water this is one of the loud bits that my dad didn't like um there's a bit uh with like Paul wandering around Caladan and like remembering his planet because he won't be able to come back here. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, yeah, just leaving your beautiful planet for one that's completely alien to you. And he's like only read about in his weird hologram book. Um, yeah. That you're constantly told is going to be the worst place. <laughs> yeah. Right. Jeez. Not a good time. Meanwhile, you're up hanging out in space scotland and could be standing there eating space haggis like oh <laughs> man delicious only the mm. finest <laughs> um yeah so they, there's a bit of like a touching moment between the duke and jessica as well in the great hall as they're like packing away all their belongings to go mm. um and then yeah um from here we just like travel to arrakis through the big gate thing and touch down on the desert surface um there's like a door opening right at the end of us and them uh mm. flooding the hangar with light um like the old man died and they're just like all getting coated in this beautiful light um which is quite nice yeah and then yeah we go into any color and they proceed out with like a guy on the bagpipes again scotland here we go um <laughs> Uh, yeah like heralding their arrival effectively on the planet and uh Thufir is here to greet them and um he's been preparing the city for their arrival and uh yeah they get their like first look at the the area and there's a bunch of um fremen hanging out on the outskirts all wrapped up in headscarves covering them head to toe um and they're like calling things out to paul and jessica um in their language so we don't understand what's happening here um but it's explained once they get into one of the dropships that they are um effectively um they have been following this religion that the bene Gesserit have been like seeding here for ages mm. and they think that paul's paul's and um jessica's arrival heralds this messiah arriving like the savior of the Fremen. Um, yeah. So pretty, pretty yeah, clear. It's stuff. interesting. Cause it does gain like gain. It does raise the idea that this could just be a like self-fulfilling prophecy. Like you tell yeah. enough people that's the Messiah. They're going to follow him. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. It's build a bear Messiah. Like the, the Bene Gesserit have like, <laughs> like made this happen. Um, yeah. It's, it's really, it, and the movie's sort of about that um, in a yeah. way. It's like, what happens if you like create a religion and like drill it into people and see what happens, you know, um, mm. especially a, a group that's like so heavily oppressed by this other, um, 
this other faction like what happens yeah. to uh, like uh, when you drive religious fanaticism to its like nth degree um yeah it's interesting uh yeah and then just choose like a 15 year old with great bone structure to be your messiah <laughs> what's gonna happen what will happen let's find out mm. after the break um <laughs> yeah so they get in these really cool looking um dragonfly uh yeah. drop ship things called ornithopters um i love them uh they are one of the things that have been like il- illustrated heavily from the book um mm. they're great they're like they're exactly what you would think they're helicopters that fly like dragonflies and it yeah they're really well done in this movie um yeah was your dad happy with these both extremely as a book fan and then also how loud they were he was very were. happy with the with the ornithopters they weren't too yes. loud they were louder Good. louder parts so yeah so we're flying across the desert landscape to the the city um Arakin is where they're going to be staying it's like this little um a fairly sm- a smaller like sort of fortress city out here an outpost kind of city the main city where the harkonnens was a different one apparently um where they set up shop so this is a sort of spice collecting outpost on Mm. on arrakis um and yeah they do a bit of surveying out here through some binoculars and um we get a look at that big old moon baby there's two moons (laughs) for arrakis pink floyd could not even imagine (laughs) i know there's one really big one with a big hand on it um was like scored into it from like a, mm. a meteor crash or something it looks great um and yeah uh they go on inside and like are talking about the key areas they need to protect um like the spaceport and the spice refinery are the two main things because that's how they can survive that's like mm. the way they will make money and be able to continue to exist on arrakis as <laughs> they need that to be the spice must flow gareth is what i'm trying mm. to say um uh yeah we go um jessica is choosing her house servant which is another huge deal in the book um oh yeah isn't really here um uh she she picks the shout out mapes out of the um the lineup um who is a fremen woman and yeah she has like this gift for jessica if she turns out to be quote the one Mm. and has to complete a test where um she's offering the blade to her which is a chris knife um uh and asks her what it represents and jessica says that it's a maker and before she can finish like her sentence she gets cut off by like an exaltation from mapes Mm. who like like screams in like religious fervor basically (laughs) she's like yes that is a maker that's exactly right and um gives her the blade uh and yeah it's a it's made of a tooth of shai hulud the sand worm gareth who are oh, yes. revered as like heralds of the gods basically among the fremen people or gods themselves yeah, this is all of them are called that right this isn't the yeah. name of a specific sandworm. no no shai hulud is okay, okay. um is the like effectively them as a like the sandworms as a concept um to the fremen it's like the their name for them 
as a okay cool. as a thing on their planet <laughs> you know yeah it's a fit like a weather event <laughs> more so than anything <laughs> yeah. you know a fact of life yeah. um <laughs> yeah they are awesome uh <laughs> yeah this this little it's, um uh sorry oh you go no 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 you uh it's really cool that it's kind of it's explained more in the book that she was gonna say it's a maker and then keep going yeah and because she's cut off again the shut out mapes has you know fulfilled her own prophecy yes. she's like forced what she wanted to hear into being what she hears exactly it's the kind of thing that would be really hard to explain or show in a in a film mm. but they do match it like exactly how it plays out in the story so yeah like if you know what's up then you know what's up but <laughs> yeah. otherwise she just gets a cool blade you know yeah um yeah uh, we get another bit with um, these 20 trees outside the um, the palace grounds here or the fortress grounds, um, which are these like palm trees that are being tended to. And Paul's out here wandering around um, the grounds and there's a like Freeman caretaker guy taking care of these um, trees and uh, effectively gives a lesson here he talks about how these trees um drink the or take the water every day of a hundred men there are 20 trees and each tree mm. would have five men's worth of water um so effectively the these trees are taking the lives of potential freemen um but they <laughs> yeah. are they are worshipped as sacred um and they must be protected in spite of this it's like laying in how important water as like in alongside the spice is so valuable on arrakis mm. like water is like the the other major resource of the planet because of its scarcity um you know like this the spice is sacred and true element of um the planet as well and that's like more of a religious overtone for the freeman but the water is the real value here yeah um and yeah the spice is like abundant and yeah worship through that whereas the water is you know very rare and worshiped for that exactly so. yeah yeah uh yeah so again like g- comparing that like fuel um analogy where like it's a the scarce resource of water versus this uh the spice being used for interstellar travel and also um being so revered as like it's like the one thing that they're there for but like water is the real thing that is keeping that going. Um, mm. Yeah, it's an interesting dichotomy. But yeah, uh, we're getting some sand sandworm lore because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get that that tree stuff. We're right at the end of the first playthrough of the album, and we're going into speak yeah. to me and playthrough two, baby, for sandworm lore. Um, <laughs> we get a bit of watching. He's watching more holograms, Paulers, and um, of course. He's watching uh, Freeman do the sand walk, which is this hot new dance craze um, sweeping <laughs> Arrakis where you walk without wh- rhythm and you won't attract the worm. Gareth, I believe yeah. weapon of choice by Fatboy Slim. Huge <laughs> hit on Arrakis. Um, uh, what a song. Uh- <laughs> uh, like I said, it's the summer of June. Everyone in the clubs is doing the sand walk. Yeah, man. Or- Maybe they just all got terrible rhythm, but... <laughs> Hard to oh. say. 
No one's watching except the worms, man. They're, they're, yeah. they're watching. Um, yeah. We never talk about the huge worms that lie beneath every nightclub, just hoping that the rhythm, yeah. you know, stays just out enough. The rhythm takes them. Pop up. They will yeah. enrage and devour the club if, if, the, yeah. if the vibe ain't right. That's true. Um, yeah. Those damn club worms. <laughs> uh, oh, man. They've got, like, bright neon singlets on. Oh. Whistles around the necks. <laughs> I love them now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, we get, he's looking into like, it's like a wildlife documentary that we're watching as mm. we see like a little mouse hanging out in some um, like bracken trees. <laughs> There's very little life um, out on Arrakis uh, other than the sandworms. Only very mm. small creatures can survive. And then the Fremen. And that's it. Like, it must be really tough out there. Um, yeah. Are they all eating these voles or whatever? <laughs> like, that's all they got? <laughs> uh, I guess they're, like, probably, like, cultivating things in the caverns. Anyway, we'll get there. Um, yeah. Uh, but, yes, this hologram is interrupted by a uh, hunter-seeker. A very cool thing. This sequence is great mm. in the book, by the way. Um, it's this tiny little robot thing little airborne remote control drone <laughs> um, yeah that um bores a hole through the um the huge relief of uh, fish that's in um paul's room and uh is hunting around trying to get trying to kill paul and it's this like effectively it's like a tiny little dart on the end of a helicopter um and yeah it's will kill him instantly if it touches him but its vision is based on movement rather than mm. uh anything else so like if paul moves it will like fly straight into him and kill him instantly and also yeah so he's got to stand very still um in the series heightened tension here um and he doesn't have his shield on he looks over to his shield which is sitting next to him as he's as he was watching the documentary um and it's very yeah it's, it's tense and then suddenly yeah. uh mapes comes into the room shout out mapes who is the like house servant at this stage and he saves her by like catching the hunter seeker out of the air and slamming it into the wall like stopping her mm. getting killed because it was going to slam into her um and she's like oh shit you saved me thank you um and yeah uh so yeah the, the, they uh thufa like investigates the the house and they find the body of a harkonnen who is hidden in the wall like embedded in there who was controlling this <laughs> yeah. hunter seeker um pretty messed up he was gonna like <laughs> take him out as this like hidden assassin imagine like hanging out for that long duncan idaho has mm. been on the planet for like two weeks or something this guy's just been in the wall for that long <laughs> yeah. what the fuck um oh. anyway yeah oh god imagine all the like stuff you'd have to overhear living in your enemy's wall right oh the worst oh. um yeah imagine my enemy living in my wall listening <laughs> to me record this podcast <laughs> oh. Like, oh. oh my god he's ready to bore that hunter seeker through the wall at any stage yeah <laughs> just like i bored him yeah <laughs> but he's got to wait for the end of the podcast because you don't move so like yeah, exactly he can't find you 
like, and he's got to know how June syncs up with Pink Floyd's 1973 magnum opus, The Dark Side of the Moon. He's got like, to know. He's invested now. Yeah. <laughs> An hour and a half deep. Yeah. Oh, my God. We are. Oh. Uh, <laughs> we cut to the Harkonnens um, with their very, like, after this assassination by them, um, with their very upsetting leather person pet monster. I hate this. Yeah. Um, the Harkonnens, like, later on describe, like, their torture that they do is described as, like, taking a person apart like a doll and i believe mm. this is like the kind of result this is the shit that they're into like making amalgams of people <laughs> uh oh not a great vibe <laughs> very no sp- i just thought it was like a space spider but that is no 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 upsetting. that's 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 a human being or several put together i would say it's some kind of horrible mutant that they've created um oh. yeah they're fucked up <laughs> yeah <laughs> um Anyway, they're like, no, nah, it's fine. We've got a cool... This is their dog. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, the Reverend Mother is here and she's like, hey, don't kill Paul and Jessica in this huge coup that you're staging and I know about but didn't warn anyone about. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's saying, yeah, she's saying spare them because they're important to our plans. We don't care what you do to the Duke or the rest of the Atreides, but please, like, at least spare their lives. And Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah she's it's quite hilarious that this is following a an assassination attempt on yeah. paul um anyway uh so the baron agrees he's like yeah i i will keep my word i would never betray your order uh we will not harm them oh he says i says i will not harm them specifically mm-hmm. actually um and uh over this pink floyd sing race towards an early grave at the end of breathe hey um hey and yeah, but after, so she heads off satisfied that she has his word and he's like, nah, they're all going to fucking die. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all the Atreides will die. Um, he's like, I said that I wouldn't kill them, but Arrakis is a very dangerous place. The desert mm. takes the weak, is what he says. And yeah, and then he hovers menacingly into the air, which is something I'm pretty yes. sure he doesn't do in the book, but I do love. <laughs> uh, oh, I think he does. Simply does because he? he hovers in a in the other movie as well. Fuck but, yeah. Oh my gosh, I didn't realise he was hovering when I first saw it, and I was just like, he has the longest <laughs> legs. <laughs> oh, incredible. No, he's got this like this enormous like train on his outfit where it just dangles yeah. down. Uh, below his hovering body um yeah he's very scary very imposing um but yeah effectively he's doing he's doing the classic like well i didn't say i said that i wouldn't kill them but if the desert kills them then (laughs) not my fault um yeah like i didn't shoot him the bullet killed him kind of stuff exactly (laughs) yeah Mm. (laughs) guns don't kill people um anyway (laughs) yeah uh paul sits in with the uh like a meeting with the generals and then they go and um check out the spice stores that they have left which isn't very much um the uh, the harkonnens have left them basically nothing so they need to get that operational um as soon as possible um uh duncan returns um duncan idaho shows up he's been hanging out with the fremen and it gives a report about what's been going on with them um 
basically says that there's a huge amount of Fremen, like way more than the Harkonnens estimated, and they mm. are an incredibly powerful people. Um, basically, he was like trying to find them, but they were stalking him the entire time, and he eventually fought one of their assassins and nearly died. Um, mm. But yeah, he's been among the people, and um, yeah, he's he very much values them and he's brought an ambassador from them uh to like effectively like negotiate or at least meet with um duke leto um the new leader here so um yeah and it's uh stilgar as played by yeah. javier bardem um who is great as well uh yeah he's so good on this and like sort of unrecognizable like i yeah i mean he's still clearly him but Something about those blue eyes and the fact, I don't know, he's deep in this role and I'm loving it. Yeah, it's, it's, he's very strong. Um, and also just like not one to suffer ceremony is his whole vibe. Mm. He's like a di- very different kind of leader to the Atreides. And I think that's important. I, and also the Harkonnens, obviously. But um, yeah, he's, just, he's a very different kind of leader, uh, which I, yeah. I think is great. Um, yeah, so he comes here and is sort of sizing up what the Atreides are about. And um, uh, the Duke, like, apologizes for how the Harkonnens treated them. And he's like, if there's anything I can do for you, I will do it if it's within my power. And he's like, fucking leave us alone. <laughs> like, yeah. That's all we want. Like, leave. please do not murder us and hunt us. <laughs> and mm. he's like, yeah, I'm not going to. You can, like, I will intrude into your lands to harvest the spice as we have done. I'm sorry that's like why we're here <laughs> but mm. we won't ever like uh into the 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 steeches which is their like their homes in the um in the caverns um they they are theirs and they won't hunt them um so long as they like there's an uneasy truce effectively negotiated here yeah between the two um and yeah uh yeah there is a funny bit uh another joke are you ready <laughs> where um he spits um and everyone's like oh shit this is like an insult it's about to kick off here in the meeting chamber but it's actually a freeman sign of like endearment where he is giving his body's moisture as like an offering <laughs> so mm. like spitting on the ground is like a, a like a noting someone else of power effectively or like a an honored greeting <laughs> Mm. which is pretty pretty different i don't know if that's a great lesson from this book <laughs> <laughs> yeah just spitting it's on the ground like so bizarre to see these three because um duncan spits and then the duke spits as well yeah see these three like hugely respected <laughs> yeah. actors like it's completely as an anthropology kind of angle just watching their spit style <laughs> like <laughs> it's super gross but i cannot now forget it's burned in my brain that oscar isaac kind of sprays when he spits out there you go what's your spit yeah. style that's the <laughs> classic question oh my god uh it's so sad that we'll have to end this podcast and start the new podcast what's your spit style that is sad yeah yeah it's- <laughs> we just and to be- nobody it's all gotcha journalism we're talking about the issues but then we've got to know what their spit style is and then that's the only thing we put on the show it's a podcast where we don't edit out any of the like coughs or splutters because that's part of the it's part of the experience 
that. Oh yeah, we edit in the coughs from other podcasts. And what's, your spit, what's your spit style? Yes, we get all that good yeah. audio ASMR. Yeah. Um, oh my god! Ever wanted to hear Pete Holmes cough? We've got it. Get him on here, just to cough. The guest spot. Yeah. Pete Holmes, please cough on our podcast. We'll play it on here. Yeah. Um, oh my god! It does make sense as a thing mm. like he's giving his body's moisture yeah. it, it tracks as like a a part of this world <laughs> you know yeah but anyway um they look su- through uh, after this like important meeting the the lads are like hanging out in the, in the like shower room or whatever like <laughs> yeah. looking at the freeman tech that duncan's brought back with him there's like a cool compass and a sand compactor which we don't get to see mm. for a little bit um but it's very cool device and yeah he's talking about how yeah he really does admire the fremen after staying with them they are like a a very proud people and strong warriors and that's what duncan's all about like yeah hell yeah um he can get down with that Um, yeah it's cool it's almost like this is their like james bond q scene like let's check out these gadgets we're going to use later yeah a little bit and yeah yeah so from here, we're going on an excursion to look at some spice harvesting happening mm. um, with Dr. Liet Kynes, who is a character who's notably gender swapped from the book. Um, yeah. And is played by um, Sharon Duncan Brewster. Um, and yeah, she is great uh, as this mm. like eco- ecology doctor person who is over- overseer of the change <laughs> is how she is described. She's like independent working for the empire um the the emperor and um and is yeah overseeing this transition between the harkonnens and uh the atreides and effectively yeah she's impartial um yeah but yeah is taking them on this excursion she's brought them all still suits which are these like suits that they that recycle the body's water so that they can survive in the desert it's a super important thing um Again, Fremen technology, um, very clever. Mm. Uh, and apparently, would not work in real life. Apparently, it would just cook you like you're in a slow cooker or crock no, pot. Oh yeah, it would be awful. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Um, but you know, just Fremen's got that secret tech. It's powered yeah, by exactly. spice, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? It's, it's got- eight thousand years in the future. We figure it yeah, out. We'll figure it out. It's fine. There's plenty of time so that we don't slow cook for 8,000 years. All right. (laughs) Yeah. It'll be okay. That'd be a very, very decadent meat though. A stew (laughs) for that long. 8,000 years. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) It's like putting a, putting a mummy in a crock pot. That's what's going Mm. on. Um, Anyway, (laughs) from that mental image, we are going out to, um, yeah, to see um, the, the spice being harvested there is a like very brief thing actually where paul has put on his still suit uh without any help because he's like he's it's part of his cool messiah stuff you will know yeah. their ways even though you are new to them um yeah anyway <laughs> continuing on um yeah we're flying out to see the harvester in action in these cool ornithopters again and um as we get home home again in the tempo change in time um yeah we're just seeing the dunes of arrakis which is their new home you know so yeah that's a pretty a pretty sweet sink 
And yeah, yeah. We, and far get, away across the field as we pan across the desert. Yeah, exactly. And we yeah. see the harvester in the distance, and then yeah, we're going into Great Gig, um, which is the, it's this huge like box on tank treads that is out here harvesting. It's like weirdly different from the harvesters that we saw um, the Harkonnens using. I don't know what's going on. Maybe they've just left them with all the shit ones. Um, yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, potentially. Um, but yeah, so there are these other little ships that are flying around, buzzing around, uh, watching for worm sign, uh, mm. worms on the horizon, who always come, always are drawn yeah. um, by the rhythmic sounds of the of the harvesting, the like whir of the machine. Um, always attracts the worm so it's always very very dangerous to be harvesting spice but it's just part of it so i imagine throughout the day these like harvesters are lifted up into the air by the balloons and the worms will go away and then they sit down and harvest a bit more and it just happens all the fucking time like over and over and over again and that's why everyone is so chill when (laughs) they spot a worm approaching on the horizon um and they're like okay um, they send out a call via radio for the um, one of these balloon things to come. They're called what are they called? Uh, da da, carryalls is what they're yeah. called. These big balloon things, and it comes down to try and lift the um, harvester off the ground, but one of the clamps doesn't connect, and so they're fucked. <laughs> Basically, mm-hmm. um, they send out like an emergency call for a carryall to come. And pick them up, but there's none in the area, and so they have to act quickly. And Duke's like, "Fuck the spice! We've got to save the people on that harvester because that's who he is as a person." Mm. Like, the harvester people are like, "We've got a load of spice. Like, we're not abandoning it. Like, that's how they are so used to operating out here." Um, and so they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Why are you coming to save us? <laughs> uh, really confused by it. And yeah, so there's like 21 people aboard the harvester that have to be saved. Um, and yeah, the, it's very dramatic moment. Um, Paul and Gurney like hop down onto the sands to try and like rally the people and get them to the right place. Um, but Paul... One like has not been out in the desert proper until now. He's like just been yeah. in the in the grounds of the um of the city, and every time a sandstorm comes, they hide inside. Um, so he ha- really hasn't been out here, and immediately starts having a reaction to the spice in the air. It starts like tripping out, having visions. He starts hearing the voices of the Bene Gesserit elders. <laughs> in his mm. ears speaking like prophecies to him terrifying um and yeah he just sort of like goes into a trance and freezes and falls to his knees in front of the harvester um and yeah everyone else is making a mad dash for safety um and it's gurney r- realizes that paul isn't among them anymore um and runs to go and save him um and like wakes him up from this like trance that he's in and they run away together and start like sinking into the sand because the 
the worm is just approaching and vibrating the whole area. The sand is shifting yeah. beneath them, which is just such a great effect. I've no idea yeah. how they did this, but fuck, it looks good. Um, so scary. Uh, and yeah, they, in the, like, with no time to spare, get on board the, the ornithopter and then they watch as this huge mouth appears around this already enormous harvester we just saw it in context and it just like encapsulates and eats it in this <laughs> like it just falls into it like sarlacc pit but mm. times a thousand um this thing yeah. is massive um and yeah we kind of got barely these, like, get a look at it yeah we just see its mouth it's like yeah it's got like teeth that uh similar to a blue whale i would say like these long hair like teeth i would say um it just because it's so massive i suppose and Yeah. yeah it just eats this huge metal structure and does not give a fuck like yeah surely there's nothing in that for the worm it just, it, it just like right it, it comes and eats it and that's it like it because it was moving out here it that's it he must mm. destroy it um but yeah the amount of sand this thing would have had to eat in order to get to what it wants to eat it's like i don't know if i wanted the icing on a cake on a little cupcake and decided to eat the entire table first just yeah. to get that icing it's true uh, like, I, I imagine yeah. they don't care so it's just like sand. it's just part of it you know like mm. when you're when you're eating a potato and it's got like a little bit of dirt on it or something and you're like well <laughs> you know like um yeah the worm don't care <laughs> uh he's in other depictions they do have like big um like trifold kind of mouths where which fold up so presumably when they're burrowing underground they don't just have their mouth open all the time they have like they can actually close their mouths when they are yeah traveling but it's just that you wouldn't see it you know like oh that's a good point yeah yeah because they're underground um yeah so they they narrowly escape and uh Leto, once they get back, Leto tries to like say, what the fuck was that to Kynes? And then Kynes is like, no, this is just how this goes. Like the desert is not kind to equipment and technology and mm. things will degrade over time. This wasn't a deliberate like attack by the Harkonnens. This is just like how the world is here. Um, and she also says that the desert is not kind to people either and that she should, that the duke to should protect his family and it's like vaguely threatening but also just like a legit warning um yeah yeah because it's a very dangerous place in a lot of ways uh and yeah um paul gets like a once over by dr ua again who um says that he has a heightened uh sensitivity to the spices effects effectively like an allergy um to it uh well mm. at least that's what they think but presumably this is actually because of his like nature tied to the religion of um the messiah etc like he's having these visions brought on by the spice in a more powerful way because of his benedict up- upbringing it's hard to say which is true maybe it's a mixture yeah. of both um but anyway yeah uh we get to see some of his uh, fairly intense visions that he saw. Mm. Um, again, he saw the girl on Arrakis um, that he that he always sees. 
and uh, she leads him into the caverns and they have a moment together where they she draws him into a kiss and then stabs him with a Chris knife. Um, and yeah, he says aloud, um, I thought I saw my own death, only it wasn't. Someone will hand me a blade. And as he says that, we see an image of um, Jessica who is covered in like facial tattoos and has yeah. uh, the glowing blue eyes of the Fremen and she's holding a, a baby um, as well. And to which- Yeah, and the wall behind her matches her facial tattoos. Yeah. Which is just cool. It's a very cool image. Um, yeah. And yeah, he says he that he knows that she is also with child. And she's like, what the mm. fuck? How do you know that? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I only barely know that. <laughs> um, like the Duke doesn't know. Nobody knows. It's wild that. Mm. Yeah. But spice be like that, man. It's got the, got yeah. the powers. It's good stuff. Get that spice melange. Hi, I'm James what? speaking. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they make pure blue, uh, whatever it's called out of spice. Oh, what is that? Isn't that? Do you not get that YouTube ad? No, it's not called Pure Blue. It's called something else, but it's like it's not a good ad because I can't remember what it's called. But it's just like five second ad. It's just like clear blue, ding, and it's like the best effect of pregnancy test. Oh, whoa! And okay. then you get to watch your like skateboard fails or whatever. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't get that ad. But I also oh. was just about to launch into an ad for the Spice Melange as if it was like a a product you could buy. So. Oh, please do. We desperately need no, to No, no, no. That's all. So, no, that, two hours I, I can't explain the joke and then do it. That's not going to happen. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> that's almost the way Dune is written, though, right? Like, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> we'll explain what's going to happen and then we'll do it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, from here we go to Salusa Secundus, um, the Imperial prison planet, Gareth. Um, a desolate waste. It's a, yeah. another fucking scary place. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rumin, rumored home of the Sardaukar, who are the um, warrior force of the Empire. Effectively, these are the mm. guys employed by the Emperor. Um, and they are just like... The story of the Sardaukar is that they are these um, prisoners from this prison planet that, mm. like, prove themselves through countless, like, infighting and battles in this horrible prison world to become an elite fighting force. It's, like, so fucking scary. Um, but they are compared a lot to the Fremen um, as they are, like, products of their environment, right? The Fremen mm. are these powerful warriors that were forged in this, like, nightmare world. And the Sardaukar are, are very similar. Um, so, yeah, that's the vibe. Uh, yeah, it is terrifying that idea. Like, oh yeah, we built this prison, made it the worst thing ever, and it's simply to train our like future army. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's yeah. like more of just like a happy accident that like you've got <laughs> yeah. like the worst prison planet ever, and also like oh, actually, it it builds super soldiers. So mm. sweet. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a good way to justify, like, if you oh, ran yeah. that prison and you had to go to your boss and be like, yeah, uh, everyone's killed each other. But you could then go like, but the plus side is the one guy who killed everyone is now real swole. Yeah. Mm. Like, do, do you want him? <laughs> he could be your bodyguard. Um, uh, yeah. So trust him. The Harkins are out here um, gathering um, three battalions of Sardaukar for their um, 
coup that they're about to do uh, out on Arrakis. They're coming in, uh, getting there's they're allying with the Emperor to destroy the Atreides, effectively. Um, and yeah, shit is messed up on this planet in more ways than one. We see in the background that there's like people strung up upside down yeah. and being like drained of their blood. And that is being like anointed onto the heads of these warriors as some kind of like ceremony. <laughs> it's fucking yeah. dark. Um, yeah. These guys, yeah, they're having a bad time out here. <laughs> um, yeah. You thought the Harkonnens were fucked up. Welcome to prison planet Salusa Secundus. <laughs> <laughs> you know oh yeah it is like i mean how are you gonna one up these creepy bald yeah, like right. sad boys oh don't <laughs> worry pour some blood on some new creepy sad boys yeah it's just a team up of the sad boys so you know yeah. it makes sense the alliance makes sense um, <laughs> yeah. anyway i need an army of the saddest boys <laughs> Uh, we get like a final interaction between, um, Jessica and Leto here who have like an Mm. argument effectively about the paths laid out before Paul, where Jessica has been training him in the ways of the Bene Gesserit and Leto needs him to be his heir, but together they share that, um, he is their son. So they like are pulling him in these two separate directions, but also like very deeply care for him. And so, yeah, um, he like levels this demand at her to take care of Paul uh, from the perspective of the Bene Gesserit person rather than his wife and mother to Mm. his son, which is like very dark. And yeah, they sort of let that business kind of facade fall. And yeah, they have a bit of a moment together. Um, which is just as well because things are about to kick off. Um, yeah, UA uh, goes and uh, delivers like a little pill to Paul, uh, presumably for his um, allergy to the spice, his reaction to the spice, and to help him sleep. Um, and yeah, there's more going on there. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a uh moment where we see the duke and um lady jessica in bed together where they're like she's like cradling his head in her lap it's very sweet um honestly yeah. like he relax us on a la- on a rackus. yeah man hell yeah yeah maxin and relaxin on a raxin <laughs> um maccus and a rackus. oh no i've lost <laughs> maccus and relaxus on a rackus. we got there there it is um yeah. oh. Uh, and yeah, we, we're, they're having a nice time together when suddenly the guards outside their palace are killed, <laughs> like mm-hmm. shot with darts and they die. Um, and we see these in the distance, some like strange ships are touching down in the darkness. Um, and, uh, the power is cut to the palace and the shields are dropped across the city and yeah, mm-hmm. it's betrayal time, baby. Um, someone has betrayed them from within. And yeah, Leto wakes up from his sleep and sees outside. There's like a strange, like strange light outside. Um, the, the palace has gone dark and yeah, he sees like a strange sort of skirmish on the edge. Um, some kind of flashing light, which is unusual. Um, and yeah, he calls out to his security team uh, through like a little earpiece thing that he has, but no one responds. 
and he goes down to the stairs and we see the shout out mapes has been stabbed through the chest with yeah. with with an arrakis not an arrakis a um atreides sword um and he is shot in in the back by this like homing dart thing that like burrows through his shield pressing further and further and further and then eventually pierces through and yeah it's a sort of sedative dart um yeah which like immobilizes him but doesn't kill him and who shot the dart it was dr ua um there he is the betrayer yeah who could have seen it coming <laughs> uh, if you'd read the book, they tell everyone. you it's coming quite a lot. Yeah, like chapter two, they're like, UA's the betrayer. <laughs> and you're like, what? Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Gurney go- wakes up and goes to um, see, he sees Harkonnens coming in and moves to defend the city. Um, as Pink Floyd is singing about what the fighting's all about, we get like a mm. massive explosion in the middle of the city as well. Oh, it's scary. Um, they're dropping these like, very slow moving bombs from the overhead ships they like land on top of the shield bore their way through and then explode um yeah it's such a cool visual um just the way they get around these shields like the weaponry that's used um they Mm. have these like crazy unguided like carpet bomb missiles that they use but they don't go through the shields yeah. So they have all these other ways around getting through shields, which is really interesting. Um, and yeah, it is really cool to like invent something and then kind of figure out the holes in what you've invented and then invent stuff that would have been invented in that world to go around. Exactly. It. Yeah. It's like yeah. a good way of like just visual problem solving. It looks, it looks <laughs> yeah. sweet um, as well. Like it makes for a really cool visual. So I love that. Mm. Um, yeah. The explosions kind of trapped within their own shield. Yeah. 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 Oh, looks really good before like bursting out uh, as the shield dissipates. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Gurney, like a fucking badass, like rallies the troops and just goes into battle. Like in just like regular dress, just puts his um, like shield on completely unarmored and is just like, fuck yeah, let's <laughs> let's get it yeah. going. And just starts fighting people on the ground, um, fighting Harkonnens. What a boss. Um, mm. The meanwhile, these uh, ships fly over and make an assault on the force, the fortress itself. Um, we see Harkonnens like fighting up the stairs against like a phalanx of Atreides soldiers, um, who are so well trained. And this like sequence is really cool. Um, yeah, but they get flanked from behind by um, the the Sardaukar it's like it's quite contrived in that like there are these two forces on either side of them pinning them down like that's a little bit ham-fisted but it does look (laughs) really good so you know um yeah yeah it's like a glazed ham-fisted yeah it's a good looking ham I mean I'll eat it it's still ham yeah yeah it's still ham um (laughs) uh yeah so the duke is um uh, like awake but frozen and um uh ua apologizes to him for betraying mm-hmm. the atreides um and explains that the harkonnens had captured his wife uh awana is her name and were yeah. torturing her <laughs> horribly um 
And yeah, he had to bargain with them to uh, buy her freedom and Leto is the price, but he's not um, leaving them empty, empty handed. He says he's going to do what he can for Paul takes um, Duke Leto's ring, like appealing to his sense of um, uh, legacy effectively saying that like, he's going to look after his ear if he can. Um, even though like, this is like very little that he could do. Uh, and uh, also gives him a like false tooth with mm. a, um, a like poison gas that he can expel out of his mouth in, in an attempt to kill the Baron in retribution for this. So he's giving him like one chance to take out the guy who's wronged them both, basically. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's fucked. Like it's, it's very bad, but it's like the only thing that he can do. Um, it's very interesting that UA is the one that betrays them. Uh, because again, he's supposed to be this, um, uh, emperor imperial trained doctor who is above like the laws and, um, he's supposed to be incapable of this kind of betrayal, but Mm. he, um, yeah, because his wife was captured, he's, he's forced to do this. And yeah, it, it appeals to a very like human conflict in such a wide, like space, like space politics story right it comes down to one man like wants to (laughs) protect his wife you know yeah yeah it's yeah that's such a good point like to it's kind of what's missing in a lot of space politics (laughs) like a thing like you know the star wars prequels where you're just hit by the politics yeah to see something like this like yes we've had you for this politics but really what's coming down to is family and love and exactly yeah that kind of thing yeah yeah again it's like yeah dune is very much concerned with like the human element of storytelling um mm. and that's why this the, like he's coming at it like he's desperate you know it, it's a very human relatable thing and, and if you're put in this situation you would act similarly yeah but it's just yeah it's it's very sad um and he's doing yeah. what he can to save his wife who he loves um and yeah we go into brain damage uh, in playthrough two and um, as we are seeing Paul lying asleep and we think things are going to go very badly for him. Um, mm-hmm. We see the sacred palms from earlier. The hundred men worth of palms are on fire. So that's fucked. Yeah, those sacred, yeah, sacred that trees. That water's are, not going to help them now. No, no, definitely not. Not enough water. Um, and yeah, we see the, uh, the little Harkonnen bastard uh what's his name uh batista is out here yeah (laughs) um, just beheading guards like beheading the atreides systematically and like they'd like Mm. take no prisoners like fuck these guys uh he's a nasty boy um yeah oh for sure uh we see duncan who's desperately trying to find um the the members of the family here he's sprung into action he's just like in a fucking like night shirt and barely anything else like yeah pants <laughs> like that's an old it. um like a real christmas carol kind of thing yeah and he's he's got a shield on and he's just out here fucking fighting the best warriors in the galaxy mm-hmm. uh, because that's who he is um and yeah he takes down like four sardaka <laughs> yeah. just cause he can um and yeah, it goes to try and find Paul and Jessica, but they're missing. And it's because they are being 
loaded onto an ornithopter as prisoners of the Harkonnens. Um, they are being mm. taken away into the desert. Uh, again, their plan is uh, to uh, and not kill them here. They're just going to abandon them in the middle of the planet, like in the middle of the desert and leave them to die um, mm. with plausible deniability of that, that being murder <laughs> effectively. Because <laughs> um, they could just say, oh yeah, they fled into the desert and we didn't see them anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Which is technically true. Um, yeah. Oh, we didn't know the desert was bad. Oh, whoops. whoops. <laughs> that desert. Oh, oh whoops. Uh, we don't have them on <laughs> Gady Prime. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, yeah. So Duncan like g- goes into hot pursuit. He like takes down a couple of um, Harkonnens and then just like fucking goads a couple as he steals, a, grabs an ornithopter and flies off after. I just love that he's like, yeah, what? And they're like backing off away from him because they know they yeah. can't kill him. It's so good. Um, and then, yeah, he's like trying to escape the city in his little ornithopter while above the, the ship, uh, the huge like, dropship thing is tracing him with a laser it's very like insect trying to escape the light of the magnifying glass <laughs> yeah you know um and it's yeah it's tracing across the city and just leaving devastation in its wake it's really cool <laughs> it looks great mm. all this all this action is fantastically done um we see that the Baron is here and is walking the halls while well, floating through the halls of <laughs> um, the of the capital with Yue um, in tow. And uh, we cut to the inside of the ornithopter with um, Paul and Jessica. And Paul has carved the symbol of um, the Souk Doctors. That's who they are. Got it here. And the last oh, one. There you go. There you go. Redeemed. Um He's carved a little <laughs> diamond into the side of the ornithopter saying like it was UA basically to Jessica. Mm. Um, and yeah, uh, basically the last part of this playthrough where they're escaping, um, well, they're not escaping. They're being led to their deaths. Uh, the Harkonnens are being horrible. Um, the One of them threatens to rape uh, Lady Jessica pretty Mm. nasty and just like throw paul overboard um and paul tries to use the voice uh to get one of them to remove jessica's gag but it doesn't work the first time because he doesn't get the tone right and yeah so to them it's just some 15 year old who you've kidnapped being like no don't kidnap me yeah exactly which is strange and so (laughs) yeah they like get up and slap him across the face um and uh his mum like coaches him through it with her the hand secret hand language which i liked just like yeah. giving him words of encouragement um and then yeah he manages to just before he's about to be thrown out the back of the ornithopter he manages to convince um the well use the voice correctly on the big meathead guy who uh removes jessica's gag and then she takes over with the voice and commands um this the this guy to kill the other one and yeah mm-hmm. let them free and that's the end of playthrough two uh which i think is where we're stopping here after the fall of the atreides um 
Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll we'll yeah. we'll catch up more with a bit more Dune next week. Um, there's a lot more to cover. I think we've still got like an hour and ten minutes of the movie. So uh, yeah, play for and a half. Yeah. So we got uh, a fair bit more to cover. But yeah, there was a lot going on in this one, and so I think we need to break <laughs> it up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And like it's the cliffhanger, you know. We've seen a yeah. kingdom fall. We've seen a mother and son now lost in the desert. Yeah. You know, their whole world literally chopped in half by a laser as Duncan Idaho accidentally led that laser kind of through the city. But anyway, um, <laughs> like so much, oh, what's going to happen? But I mean, this is sort of our halftime show, James. Mm. How do you think the boys in the Floyd are playing off? What will Ooh. you think? How Ooh. does it currently sing? Mm, I like this, like the mid-roll test. Um, yeah. honestly not many sinks so far <laughs> no. it's it's very difficult i had a tough time because i have a lot of fucking notes to take with this movie so catching sinks on top of all this is like difficult but um yeah there have been sinks i'm gonna say it like it, it's not been nearly as bad as some of the other ones um no. that we've covered so i feel like we're doing well uh, we're on track uh, currently i'm coasting at like a four five um mm. but i feel like we could improve in the second half well, maybe you know yeah what do you think what do you think the pink floyd is saying in the locker room right now to try to get these sinks the, like they're yeah like banging on the um lockers trying to build up hype for the mm. for the for the second half of the show um the second side of dark side of the moon you could say they're ready to perform yeah um weird that they're breaking up a concert <laughs> a concert into two 20 minute chunks but um <laughs> either way uh yeah they're just i feel like they're just building the hype as much as we are they're just like mm -hmm. they're just out there just just building it up man they're they're ready and rearing to go but we must wait we must we must draw yeah. out more content <laughs> yeah it's kind of like <laughs> it's uh the 21st century's real issue you got to draw that content mm, much like Pink uh, the tent the tent must flow you know mm -hmm. exactly uh what do you think's happening in june's uh locker room in june's locker room it's not looking good yeah. gareth no it's, there's a lot of pain a lot of anger a lot of fire um yeah. it's chaos in there for the moment but i think they're gonna they're gonna run it back they're, they're gonna recover mm. it's been a shaky first half for the for the dune but it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be good uh yeah, yeah. there we go well gosh i mean tune in next week we've got we've got things like some bad breath to look forward to mm. we've got a big oily bath yeah big, oh a, i can't wait big worm I can't yeah. wait to dive into my big oily bath <laughs> not gonna lie. that's all next week's gonna be is oil sound effects mm. then the week after we actually finish the episode you know a lot it's, of spitting. it's really drawing out that tent yeah a lot of oil uh oh well until then <laughs> please email us to describe your spit style yeah we will skim read it and feel bad <laughs> no I'm, i'll love it okay, i'll print at it sinkfloydpod at gmail.com sinkfloydpod on twitter yeah sinkfloyd on facebook and letterboxd and uh i'm currently gareth blackler i can't say i've been gareth blackler because we haven't finished this quest mm, i remain james barrett <laughs> <sighs> 
And much like the two moons of Arrakis, you know, we won't see you on the dark side of the moon, yeah. but we'll see you on the hand... We'll see you on the handprint of one of the moons. On the handprint of one of the moons. Goodbye.